Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, here we are at the end of the story. If you've never been to Saints Peter and Paul before, or if you haven't been here in the last five weeks, we're at the end of the story of the book of Esther. We've been journeying through this uh, book of history, a historic book in the Old Testament uh, for the last five weeks, and this is the sixth week, and we're wrapping it all up today. I pray that in our time together in this book that you've been encouraged, that you've been encouraged by the, the boldness and the courage of Esther and Mordecai, and I pray ultimately that you have been encouraged by watching our almighty and sovereign God be at work guiding and directing the events in this world. I have told you over and over again, but I'm going to say it again today. The God we believe in is a sovereign God. That means that he is big. He is powerful. He is in control. He is in charge. And this, for us, is a very, very good thing because we know our God is our loving Father and we are his precious children. And this we know because we know Jesus God has gone to extreme lengths to purchase and win us back, poor, miserable sinners. Jesus died for us. He rose for us. That means that we are loved with an unstoppable love by an almighty and everlasting God. So why in the world, though, did we spend six weeks looking at this old book that is tucked into the books of history in the Old Testament. Literally, it's, it's kind of like a historical textbook in the genre where it falls in the Bible. So why would we do this? It's important for us as God's people to look back and see stories like Esther in the Scriptures to remind us that the God that we worship is a faithful God. As a matter of fact, this was one of the main reasons that Esther is even included in the Bible. The, one of the main reasons is that uh, here in chapter 9 that we read today, we learn that Esther and Mordecai instituted a Jewish festival called Purim. Purim. And actually in some places today, Purim is still celebrated by, uh, by Jewish people. Now, if Esther were not included in the Bible, perhaps Jewish people would look at this celebration that they do and say, why in the world do we do this? As a matter of fact, you can probably imagine that somewhere in the world, some little Jewish kid said to his dad, hey, dad, why do we celebrate this festival called Purim? And his dad would go, oh boy, I don't, it's just kind of what we've always done. I don't, I don't know. And so that dad would probably go do some research and go to his dad and say, hey, dad, why did we always celebrate this festival called Purim? And his dad would say, didn't you pay attention? It's in the book of Esther. It's in the book of Esther that, that remember, there was that bad guy, Haman, who wanted to completely wipe out the Jewish people, and he rolled dice, and there in that language, those dice were called poor and, and they, they landed on the day that there was going to be a complete genocide of the Jewish people. 
And if his plan had been carried out, we would not be here today, but except for the courage of Esther and Mordecai, we are. And so we celebrate this day called Purim. And that dad had learned from his dad would say, oh, yes, this is very informative. And he would go and tell his son and they would pass on the story so that they could be reminded of God's faithfulness through the generations. It's here in chapter 9, verses 20 through 22 in particular, that uh, talk about the purpose of this celebration of Purim. Let me read to you them again. It says this, And Mordecai recorded these things and sent letters to all the Jews who were in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus. This is the Persian Empire from Ethiopia to India. A whole lot of people, both near and far. And he obliging them to keep the 14th day of the month of Adar, and also the 15th of the same year by year, as the days on which the Jews got relief from their enemies, and as the month that had been turned for them from sorrow into gladness, and from mourning into a holiday, that they should make them days of feasting and gladness, days for sending gifts of food to one another and gifts to the poor. And I think uh, most clearly verse 22 uh, tells us the purpose of this day. It says this, the Jews... Uh, for, for them, this day was the day that turned for them from sorrow into gladness and from mourning into a holiday. From sorrow to gladness. They were supposed to die, but they lived. <laughs> and from mourning into a holiday. Does this sound familiar to you? To me, I think we could say the same thing as Christian people about Easter. From Esther to Easter. How about that transition, right? From Esther to Easter. Because for us as Christian people, this is the day when we have been delivered from our enemies. This is the day that our sorrow was turned into gladness and that our mourning was turned into a holiday. Jesus even specifically said it himself. In advance of his death and resurrection, Jesus told his disciples, you have sorrow now. But I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one, no one will take your joy from you. For us as Christian people, Easter is the greatest celebration in all of the Christian church. For us, it is, right? And I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. We're just about to enter the season of Lent, and then we'll come to Easter. But in all honesty, Easter is the, the greatest gift that we have as a Christian church. I'll probably say it on Easter because I do all the time, but if Jesus did not rise from the dead, our faith is in vain. That means if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, go home, lock this place up. There's no purpose in claiming to be a Christian or going to church if Jesus did not rise from the dead. We would be lost and condemned forever if Jesus would not have risen from the dead. We'd be stuck in our sin. We'd be stuck in our sorrow. We'd be stuck in our mourning. And that would be our end. But because Jesus rose from the dead and he's promised to come again, Jesus promised this in the very end. Revelation chapter 21 says that in the end, when Christ returns, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore, for those former things will have passed away. This is why we gather as the Christian church on Sundays. This is why we gather on Sundays, 
to worship our awesome and almighty God, not just on Easter, but every Sunday. Do you know this, that every Sunday is, is supposed to be like a miniature Easter? It is. That's what the early Christian church had in mind. The Jews, they gathered for worship on Saturday, but the Christians in the beginning started worshiping on Sunday. Why? Because that was the day Jesus rose from the dead and changed everything. So we gather together week after week after week so that our sorrow can be turned into gladness, that our mourning can be turned into a holiday. Sundays ought to be a holiday for us when we gather together to remember with thankfulness what Jesus has accomplished for us. See, by learning about the faithfulness of God in the past, we learn about our present reality and that God is still faithful to us today and that because he has been in the past, he will continue to be faithful all the way into eternity. It's so important for us to not only look forward, but to also look back to see the hand of God at work in this world. So this is why we gather. This is why we have the Bible. This is why we study books like Esther, just a historical book in the Bible. It is important for us to know history, I will even say. It's important to know history. I remember when I was in high school, uh, going to a high school history class. I don't remember much at all from the high school history class. I don't even know what we were studying, but I remember one thing. I remember one thing. And the, the history teacher told us this line, and he said, you know, I, it was probably, if you don't remember anything, remember this. And so I did. He told us about uh, a Spanish philosopher named George Santillana who said famously, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Maybe you've heard variations on that. Those who don't know the past are, are doomed to repeat it or something like that. What this means is if you don't know what happened in the past, if you don't know the, the past mistakes or struggles of those who have gone before you, you'll just be in a perpetual state of infancy always trying to figure it out, thinking that what you are dealing with, that you are the first one to ever deal with that, right? You're just trying to figure it out and figure it out. So what he's saying is we need to know the past so that we don't repeat the past mistakes of those who've gone before us. But I think we can also put a positive spin on this, and not only to avoid the past mistakes, but I think, I think we can put a positive spin on this and say those who know history are bound to repeat it. And I mean this in the positive sense. Those who know what happened positively in the past, we're going to repeat it. And we're going to repeat it. And we're going to repeat it. And we're going to repeat it. Because when we repeat these positive things, those positive memories are given into our lives and they shape our present understanding now and into the future. You know, this is why the Jews celebrated Purim and why they had all their different festivals. And why they always looked back, even Jews today that, that still celebrate Purim, when they gather, they read the entirety of the book of Esther so they don't forget. So they remember with faithfulness that God was the one who was with them through it all. And again, this is why we gather regularly as the Christian church to tell the stories of God's faithfulness to one another and to, to live them out with one another because we are not in a perpetual state of infancy, trying to figure out if God loves us. He does. 
He's proven it time and time again. The Bible is filled page after page of stories of God's love for his people. He's proven to us the depths and lengths of his love. And so we need to tell these stories and we need to live in them and we need to hear them over and over and over again. Last weekend, I was able to travel to Concordia uh, Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri, where I graduated from uh, 10 years ago now. And, and we went to Concordia Seminary, a small team from our church, to interview upcoming graduates, candidates for the Office of Holy Ministry, uh, planning to be pastors. And we were able to interview them and, and uh, see if they would be a good fit to join our staff here, to join our ministry team, and to fit into our community to serve this place with the love of Jesus Christ. And I have to tell you, uh, the future of the church is looking bright because we interviewed some fantastic, faith-filled, bold men of God who are going to serve the Lord powerfully in this world. And I look forward to what is to come. And I just want to remind you, if you didn't hear the announcements, we've got a voters meeting next Sunday between services at 10 o'clock where we're going to be sharing more information about these candidates and asking you uh, for a vote about how to move forward with this call process. So I, I ask you to be there. But here's what happened. In our time at the seminary, I gave our interview team a tour of the campus. And as we were walking around, all these memories started flooding back into my mind. And as we passed this one room, uh, this one memory popped back into my mind from my early days at the seminary. I think it was even from orientation week. I remember sitting in this room and the professor said to us uh, young men who were really excited to be pastors, but we had a lot of school left to do. He said, why in the world do you want to be pastors? Isn't that going to be boring? I mean, you're just going to do the same thing over and over again, say the same thing day after day, week after week. You're just going to tell people that Jesus loves them, Jesus forgives them. Aren't you going to get tired of doing that after a couple of years? And I remember sitting there going, oh, gee, I, I don't know. <laughs> Will I? <laughs> what, what are you trying to tell me? You know? and, he, and he said, no, of course not. Of course it's not going to be boring. We need to hear these stories of the love of God in Jesus Christ and to tell them repeatedly. And he went on to explain it, and I think maybe I've shared this before, but he said, those of you sitting here who are married, just imagine if your wife stopped saying the words, I love you, to you. Imagine she did everything the same, but she stopped saying to you, I love you. Would that change the dynamic of your relationship? Or imagine for you, if you stopped saying I love you, if you just stopped saying those words, would it change the dynamic of the relationship? And he said, of course it would. Of course it would, because what we speak and what we hear changes us. It does. It does. And just imagine it, those of you who are married, if you stopped speaking that love that you have for one another, it would change you. So I'm here as your pastor once again, 10 years later, to tell you that you are loved with an unstoppable love. You are loved by an almighty and sovereign God who brought everything into existence by simply speaking. 
You are loved by that same Almighty God who was involved in these events in a foreign land with a king and, and all kinds of events. That same God knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows your thoughts before you speak them. He knew you in your mother's womb before you were born. And that same God has gone to extreme lengths to purchase and win you back. He sent His Son into this world to take your sin, and you know it, he took your sin and your guilt upon himself and he died innocently to forgive you and set you free. And his love for you, it's not dependent on your performance or your attempts at perfection. It's solely based on his grace and his grace upon grace for you. He simply loves you. So this is the story we need to tell. This is the story that we need to hear. And so that's why we gather together as his people all the time, week after week, to hear these stories of God's faithfulness for what we speak and what we hear changes us. And so I pray that you are changed. I pray you're changed by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And when we repeat this story over and over again, what we will see is that the words of the Bible are not just ancient, dusty words tucked in a book on our shelves but that the words of the scriptures are not just history, but maybe you've heard it said like this, they are his story. They're his story. And the words of the scriptures are the story of God's faithfulness, and you and I are written into those words as well, for God is still alive, and he is still active in your life now and forever. And I pray, my friends, that your sorrow this day, whatever it is, may be turned into gladness, and that your mourning this day, whatever it is, may be turned into a holiday. For Jesus is alive. He rules and he reigns and he's coming to make all things new. I pray that you've enjoyed this time in Esther. I know I have. It's been a while since I opened up those pages and I know because I asked you, some of you have never read it before. So I pray that you are encouraged by God's faithfulness and I pray that like Esther and Mordecai who stepped out in faith, that you would continue to seek those opportunities to step out boldly, not concerned what the world may throw at you, for the God that you belong to is sovereign and almighty, and he has you in the very palm of his hands. We're going to get into the season of Lent again, uh, on, on, starting on Ash Wednesday, on Feb Wednesday, February 26th, and we'll be studying the Gospel of John. But we've got one Sunday in between, next Sunday, February 23rd. And next Sunday, we're going to look at the event called the transfiguration of Jesus, where Jesus was transfigured in the presence of his disciples and they saw who he really was. And we're going to look at and see what God has in store for us as a congregation as he continues to move us boldly uh, forward in his name and for his purpose. So have a blessed week in the Lord in the, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.